I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. And welcome to this week's Back Peg. And Nathan, we're being joined by Glenn Rolls. Absolutely fantastic to have Glenn on. Glenn mm-hmm. works for La Liga and is in charge of growing their brand in this part of the world. And it's a new strategy for La Liga to try and close the gap, in a sense, to the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to dive into their approach and how they're going to go about promoting La Liga and all the clubs and all the wonderful stories they have to tell. Yeah, looking forward to having a chat to Glenn about all things La Liga. And joining us on this week's episode of The Back Peg is Glenn Rolls, who's International Business Development Manager of La Liga in the APAC region. Uh, Glenn, welcome to The Back Peg, and thanks for your time this evening. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. So, Glenn, uh, just wanted to touch off a, a few things with you uh, with regards to your involvement with La Liga and how all that came about. But um, first off, your in- involvement with football at, at its most basic level, how did that come about? Okay, uh, probably not your most textbook kind of um, starting off into, into my journey in football. I, I am a Kiwi. I grew up in New Zealand. So my experience with the round ball game was probably up until the age of, of about nine or ten, mainly recreational, not so much competitive. And, and then basically you're kind of, as, as most uh, parents and friends and colleagues do in New Zealand, you kind of get a pull on the air to say, hey, look, um, what are you doing with that round ball? You've got to come and, and, and play rugby union. So, so I, I grew up playing rugby union in New Zealand. but still, you know, very much a fan of football, uh, especially, you know, big Champions League games and whatnot. And I think it was it was a bit different in New Zealand growing up in, in, in terms of the football that came to our shores, right? Like it wasn't – you, you didn't, didn't have a lot of uh, – content available like it wasn't i know here with sbs with the world game mm. you, you grew up with you know the Serie A and 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 the premier league and whatnot in new zealand it was basically you know big champions league games mm. um big european clubs you know there was the the focus on the english clubs due to obvious reasons cultural and and i guess the language reasons there but yeah. you'd still get the big games of you know real madrid barcelona especially back then ac milan into milan um Bayern munich and whatnot so yeah, big big fan of of European football growing up, and then yeah, the move came about to go over to Spain for for an opportunity, um, again with the with the uh, egg shaped ball, mm-hmm. um, and and that's basically what took me over to Spain. And then just through that, obviously uh, finished up my career sporting wise playing sport, and on the back end of that, uh, went back to to university and and did the same degree I believe that you did, Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah, with the Real Madrid um, graduate school there over over in Madrid, I mm. did that present, and that just I guess I mean I was still involved with different sports clubs and looking um, through a number of contacts I had at that stage with football, but obviously not as much, right? And then I guess through doing that course, I just yeah kind of opened up my network and and focused me towards football, and yeah I, I guess um, again. That was kind of on the professional side of it, but the personal side of it with football, I guess it's it's very hard uh, not to love football and not to have football as a part of your life when you're mm. over in that environment, right? Like it's it's um, everywhere you go, you just you just see it. Like you you open up your newspaper and and it could be 100 pages and 99 pages of, of that newspaper is is football. If if you're in Madrid, it's the marker. If you're if you're in Barcelona, it's um, it's Mundo Deportivo or, or sport. And 
yeah, it's it's Real Madrid, Barca, Atletico, Seville, so all these big, big, massive clubs. And then you go into a bar just for a casual beverage, as you do, and and everyone's talking football. So, I mean, mm. you can't escape it. So even if you don't like it, you're going to end up loving it because it's everywhere. And you have to have some basic knowledge about it <laughs> to kind of get by. Otherwise, you're not going to enjoy your time, you know, over in Europe. So so that's, I mean, kind of, uh, that's that's how my journey started and kind of evolved. Mm. And, and of course, yeah, professionally, I got involved with La Liga just before I came over to Australia and, and they set up this role to, to send me over to Australia to represent them in, uh, in this market. So, so yeah, pretty uh, long-winded version, but oh, tried good. to make it as short as possible <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Now we're looking for the in-depth stuff here to Glenn. So, you know, don't yeah, be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, to uh, to talk in depth about it at all. What's that jersey, by the way, Nathan? You've, you've got a you've got a lot of good Yeah, Athletic Club, Athletic yes. Club. Athletic Club, beautiful. Yeah. And I've got. Anyway, I happen to have my Real Madrid jersey on today as well. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. You, you got the you got the second kit from a few yes, years ago. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, actually, funny, funny enough, the day started off with La Liga. Actually, I caught up with a. I'd call him the. Espanol advocate uh, Jason Cowland, who uh, was kind enough to give us a 120-year memento scarf. Oh wow, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so it's been a La Liga kind of day, although there's heaps uh, happening elsewhere. So, Great. what kind of engagement are you looking from? Is La Liga looking from from the APAC region with regards to um, your role and and establishing uh, offices in the APAC region and and uh, having representatives uh, worldwide, basically, because it's it's quite an extensive network for those that um, aren't aware of the La Liga business arm. Global network, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, yeah, I, I guess just to put it into context first, and and I guess why this whole project came uh, came about, right? So, going back probably seven or eight years, La Liga was was uh, one of the only European leagues not to commercialize the league as a whole um this was due to a local law in spain that hadn't changed yet and and essentially what that meant was that every club went to market to to you know sell their own matches to get the audio visual rights um for themselves so as you can imagine in la liga well i guess just to knock that back a wee bit and and for more context premier league obviously when premier league started and became official i think it was in early 90s 90 mm, 91 i think the 90s, yeah 91 92 yeah. season yeah yeah, something like that. So that was kind of when they started doing that on behalf of of, of their top division. Mm. So they they've got a few years head start with us, right? Um, and that's kind of when we start when we started the whole project and and when we were able to commercialize the league as a whole, and that opened up a lot of doors. You know, as you can imagine, before that, you had each club selling their own matches, as I said before. And just just to put numbers out there, as an example, you probably had Real Madrid and Barcelona getting 150 million euro per season, and you had last place, um, I don't know, whoever it was at the time, you know, Deportivo La Coruña or Girona, mm. getting maybe a million if, if they were lucky. And, and basically, you know, those, of that million, it would be 90% of that was made up of of the match that they'd have at home against Real Madrid or Barca. Mm. So, so there was a huge... Um, a lack of parity, right, between mm. between payments that our clubs were receiving, and of course, you know that was that was leading to a number of things. Um, clubs overspending, you know, mm. overspending outside of their means mm. to compete, and then of course the clubs that weren't overspending, I mean, they just weren't competing. So so things had to change, and of course the the law changed in Spain. I can't remember what it's called, the Royal 
decree law of some number number or whatever it was mm. changing that gave La Liga as an organization the power to you know commercialize the top two professional divisions right um so as I said that opened up a whole range of things that we could do with the organization and within the space of a year or two La Liga went from you know quite having quite a small headquarters small office in Madrid I think it was about 40 or so employees to a year later 400 you know 400 employees and mm. Uh, the whole strategy changed, of which forming a key pillar of that strategy was our internationalization of, of La Liga as a, as a league and, and you know, the, the brand of La Liga, but also the brand of our clubs, helping them push into international markets as well. And Nathan, I, I see you've, uh, we're talking about your athletic club, Bill Bell shirt. I mean, that's a prime example for me, right? So it's a club with a fantastic story, but a club that hasn't really worked even outside their own region. And mm, yeah. they've got a great story to tell and they really connect and resonate with a lot of fans, both in the broader region of Spain, broader country of Spain, but also, you know, in different markets throughout the world. So so that was that was a key thing for us um, to happen. And, of course, on the back of that, our president, Javier Tebas, he came up with this plan uh, to, well, this project. It was called the La Liga Global Network Project. There's a whole whole process of which it was about six or seven months to select 40 delegates for La Liga to represent their interests mm. in key markets throughout the world. Um, and, I mean, it was crazy, right? I've, I've told the story a number of times, but I think there was like six or seven steps to the process. It started off with about 12,500 applicants. Um, each process, it was dwindled down. Second to last process, we were a whole day at the um, at Atletico uh, Madrid's old stadium, mm. uh, the Caterón working in groups with like people like, you know, uh, analyzing every sort of move that we made. And then the last step of the process was three months uh, living in a hotel together, um, getting like a, like a, a big overboard from all of the different departments of La Liga, um, you know, digital communications, commercial, international, um, et cetera, et cetera, getting like a masterclass from each of the head of departments. And then we were getting, I guess, um, examined on on the knowledge that we learnt from these masterclasses. So, uh, yeah, as I said, three months living together, kind of half of it was kind of filmed for content purposes. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was a great experience, right? It was uh, it was very different, stressful at times, but but overall a great experience. So, on the back of that, as I said, they picked their 40, 42 delegates to represent La Liga. Um, I was selected to represent La Liga for Australia and New Zealand. And we have, I think at the moment, eight or nine offices worldwide. But in this region alone, um, Southeast Asia, APEC, which is, as you can imagine, I'm not going to list all the countries. There's there's a lot of them. But the regional offices in Singapore. Mm. And then you've got Southeast Asia plus Japan, South Korea, um, Australia, obviously, as well. And, and yeah, I mean... Going back to your, that's a long-winded answer for your original <laughs> question. But what are we looking? What are we looking to do with that, right? So essentially, we believe that by having someone on the ground in all of these types of markets, it's going to be able, it's going to make us be able to activate better and engage with our fans on the ground a lot better. And and I think that's that's a key thing, you know, I guess a unique selling point or a or a key uh, differentiator between us and other leagues is those other leagues they they might. Um, hire or contract an agency to do their work on ground or they might travel out once every three or four months, whatever. Um, whereas we constantly have someone on the ground basically in the four corners of the globe. And obviously on the back of that, 
that helps us do a number of things, a number of key things, which initially were the key goals and still are, but obviously it's evolved a wee bit since then. But, you know, um, fostering our relationships with our broadcasters, who are essentially our our spokesperson, right, in, in each of the mm. markets. So obviously this year we were with Dr. Sport, and you can see, like, the coverage of La Liga has been fantastic across yeah. all, their, all their platforms. Um, and, you know, they're really investing in the in the content part of, of helping tell these stories, right? So so that's a huge part of it. Um, obviously, activating on ground is what we try and do. So every time there's a big match that comes around, we really try and reach out to our fans and get them down to whether it was. The last few years, of, we've, we've done our Classico and, and Fed Square there in Melbourne, here in Sydney, uh, about a week ago as well, or two weeks ago, we did something in the CBD. Um, mm-hmm. All at 7 in the morning. The first year I was here, actually, the first our Classico that we activated at the Star Casino, was um, 11 p.m. kickoff, and there was like 1,500 people turn up, right? And mm. and people didn't realize that, like, oh, this this Spanish game, this isn't going to amount to much, right? Like, <laughs> a big game is Liverpool against whatever. <laughs> and then, yeah, they couldn't, they had to turn away like 300 people um, because they just couldn't, they couldn't hold that many people for our place. Mm. Ago. So, so that's a key thing as well, activating, obviously, digital strategy. We try to localize the content as much as possible. So that's, of course, using our you know social media platforms and digital platforms to again we have a global message, but we but we try and you know dwindle that down to every local market, whether that be translating into a local language, or if we have content that's locally relevant to England, for example, we might change that to a tone that suits our Australian fan base. Um, so it could just be looking using you know terminologies here in Australia, something fun, or it could be could be with something that's going on and current and in the news in, in Australia, right? Just to engage further to our fans. And then more recently, just to add quickly to that, more recently, a couple of key areas that have that have sparked up, um, especially here in this region. Um, and yeah, I mean Australia is a key, a key part of that as well, is the grassroots program mm-hmm. that we've started in the, in the last few years. Um, you know, we believe that Spanish football is is one of the leaders in that space in terms of coaching development. Um, developing of, of talent um, and in more recent times, not only boys, but, but girls as well. So, so that's a key area for us uh, across the whole region. I mean, I can, I can talk on behalf of the other delegates in the other countries that, that that's a key focus for us. And then, and then more recently as well, the education space. So I mentioned we both did the, the Real Madrid program, mm-hmm. but we've also started up La Liga Business School. Yeah. And, and we've partnered with a number of institutions and we're looking to partner with more here in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to to bring uh, you know people closer to to the I guess the ins and outs of of how to run a football club, a football organisation, but also I mean the sports industry in general, right? We want to be creating more more talented individuals to to help nurture this this football industry into the future, which I think it's uh, it's in need of um, not only here in Australia but but globally also. Mm. So, Nathan, yeah, Nathan, yeah, yeah, sorry, I was going to say Nathan's a graduate as well. Of uh, funnily oh, enough, yeah, yeah, no, oh, that's yeah. how Nathan and I met. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, over in Madrid, and uh, yeah, since we've got talking about football, and I've sparked this podcast. And Glenn, I do want to ask you about a little bit of the challenge when it comes to promoting La Liga, and you can sort of echo the same sort of thoughts when it comes to Italian Serie A or German Bundesliga. It seems as though outside of El Clasico. Maybe you can throw in the Athletic Madrid games in there as well. Mm. There isn't as much of an appetite to see the rest of the teams compared to when you say the Premier League, you look at some of the, the games that you have up and down the table. 
I feel like there's a lot more intrigue both here in your homeland of New Zealand. There's a lot more interest in those matches. What? How is it that La Liga is trying to close that gap in interest in English-speaking countries? Because, yes, of course, in Spanish-speaking countries, there's a lot more interest in La Liga. But when I see, for example, at the broadcaster, Optus Sport, sometimes I get the sense, and this is not a comment on the broadcaster, it's just a comment on the standing of things and where it is in the Australian mindset. It feels at times that La Liga is a bit of a supporting act for the Premier League and might sound a little bit harsh, but I feel that's the way sometimes it can come off. What is sort of the strategy surrounding that? How do you try and close the gap? How do you gain more interest in those clubs outside of, quote-unquote, the big three? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a pretty fantastic question um, straight off the bat. And and look, I, I agree with a lot of your points. Uh, and, you know, being up front, I guess, coming to Australia, yes, you are up against the Premier League. Uh, culturally, England and Australia are more aligned than Spain and Australia. Right. The language is, is playing a huge factor. Um but going back to, to my original point, you know, this is a long-term strategy, a long-term play. Um, we've only been in the international market for around seven, eight years with the strategy, and of which three or four years, there's been a focus on on really localising that content, whether that be through translations or, or localising it in other ways, as I said before. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, every market has its challenges, no doubt. And, of course, I mean, you mentioned a lot of them that we have here. Um I don't think, you know, it's it would be dumb of me to say that we want to take over the Premier League in, in mm. five years here in Australia. Like, it's it's not going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, it is it is very well supported and for good reason. It's a great league. Um, so, you know, I think what we're trying to do now, and, and I think the last few years have proven that, is we really want to tell the stories of the league as a whole. And by, at the same time, using the pull factors of our, of our big clubs. You know, so mm. it's a balancing act there. Because, yes, our Classico is, is arguably the biggest club game in the world, but also you have the Bas Derby. You have yep. the, Seville, the Seville Derby. Um, the Catalan Derby, you could – well, we don't call it that anymore. It's <laughs> called the Barcelona Derby, right? Espanol versus, <laughs> uh, versus Football Club Barcelona. Mm. And so you've got all these stories and you've got all these clubs with, with fantastic history. Um, and, and, of course, like people have an appetite for these stories. And people resonate with with uh, with certain clubs that might not be the big two or big three in Spain. So so it's about you know trying to trying to do our best as a league to tell these stories and of course bring our broadcaster along for the ride. And I think that they're certainly you know putting their best foot forward. And, mm. and, and you know you, you might have your opinion about whether we're the supporting act or, or whatever. And I think I mean that that could be a fair opinion. Um, I certainly don't think so. I think this is. Optus Sports' first year with us. Mm. And I think they're doing a fantastic job in, in incorporating our content and, mm. and invest in the storytelling of, you know, not only the big, the bigger games, you could say, but but certainly the the more lesser known clubs. An example of that, you know, recently, and I guess it's not happening anymore, but we did have a couple of Australians playing mm-hmm. in the league. And yeah. uh, right at the start of the season, obviously they're not there currently, but you know, they had guys on the ground, Optus Sport, this is this is who I'm talking about. They had guys over on the ground over there in Spain with the club telling stories about those players, where they're living, about the mm. lifestyle, what how is it different to to other football that they've experienced. So trying to tell it, you know, from a really sort of hands-on approach. And I think just lastly to that point, what we're doing now, and and of course, I mean, this is on the back of a number of factors as well. So yes, La Liga's been in this process international process for for six seven years now 
but a lot of the clubs haven't. So what mm. we have to do is bring them along and show yeah. them the benefits of, of building their brands internationally because, you know, at the end of the day, we're the league, but what don't we have? We don't have – we don't have – a league doesn't have a fan. Yep. You know, you can be you can be a fan of football and love a certain league and, and love their matches, but you don't have an emotional connection with a league. And I'm saying that for any mm-hmm. any football fan, no one's going to say, oh, look, I just have to get up and watch every Premier League game because I just – I have this emotional connection with the league. No, you're a fan of, of a certain club that plays in that league and that's why you're going to watch the games. Mm. And, of course, well, I mean, yes, of the club or of a certain player. Mm. Right, with you know, especially with the younger generation coming through, that they they'll watch content just because a certain player, their favorite player, is in this is in this um, is, is playing a match. So what I'm trying to say is, the clubs essentially have the image rights for the players, and of course, they have that emotional connection of their fans, and the potential as well to expand their their reach and and grow their fan base, and um, and that's what we're trying to help our clubs to do as well. And just to tack on, you mentioned the Australian players over in La Liga. There's also a whole host of ex-La Liga players who have come and played football down here. That's right. There's been a whole host in the A-League alone in the last 15 years. Yeah. Should there be more done on that front for La Liga to promote um, the Spanish game? Because you have a whole host of players that are ex-Real Madrid or ex-Barcelona that come out here and, yes, they're here to promote the A-Leagues, but they can also promote the football that they've experienced. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're open to those discussions, right? We've done things in the past with certain players, probably not in the in the last few years. Um, mm. I, I think, I mean, again, you guys would probably correct me, but off the top of my head, there's probably only two Spanish players in the A League at the moment: Diego Caballo and mm-hmm. Javi Lopez, maybe yep. Fred Yep. Maybe they could. Quanda, is Quanda still at Perth? I'm not sure. Oh, I don't I, you, you've I'm got your say, yes, at Adelaide. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's yes. At, he, you're right. Yeah. You're right. He's at Adelaide as well. He's a great player. Um, so, so yeah, we've done a few things um, in the past with, with certain players, but of course, again, they they have their contractual obligations to the club, the yep. current club, and, and we have to respect that um, to the to the maximum, right? But again, if we can look for collaborations with certain clubs, and of course with the league itself, I mean, we've done that in the past, and we'll, we'll try and do that in the future, you know. Um, but you're right. There's been a there's been a plethora of Spanish players, or you could say even La Liga players, right? That are, mm. that are, have come through the A League in the in the past. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a really good opportunity for us. And I think yeah, we should certainly look at it um, more in the future. So with regards to I've got two areas that I think um, I've seen an impact. Uh, one in particular. Uh, the establishment of academies, and I noticed that today, even even today, just before we recorded, that uh, Villarreal um, have launched a, an academy in Brisbane. Sure. Um, so there seems to be an appetite for the La Liga clubs to uh, impart their knowledge and and um, their systems um, into the Australian football landscape and and possibly New Zealand for that matter. Um, uh, what is the level of engagement with regards to, uh, like from the Liga to uh, the local football um, f- governing bodies and uh, establishment of, you know, or acceptance of these football academies being established? 
I think that that question could potentially open up open up a can of worms. Can of worms. <laughs> it was meant to. It was yeah. meant to in a, in, a part, in a way because we can't have a, a podcast if we don't open up a can of worms every now and then. Hundred percent. No, I fully agree. <laughs> Look, I, I again, this is from someone looking from the outside, right? Sure. And absolutely, and I'm, not a, I'm not. I don't represent any local clubs. No, of course. Or, um, there's a couple of interesting reports that I've read from. I think one was from Football New South Wales and the other, I can't remember mm. what it was from, on, on local academies. We understand that that it's not an area that's regulated mm-hmm. in Australia, but at the same time, you have a lot of academies doing good things and they have a lot of great coaches and they're doing really good things with um, with, the, with the youth here in Australia. Mm. And, and I believe it's it's helping, like mm-hmm. those, especially those academies that are, that are doing a good job, but it's it's only going to benefit, right? Um, the development of, of of football in Australia. But then, of course, potentially, and I'm and I again, I'm not going to name anyone, but and I don't really know anyone off the top of my head. I don't yeah, sure. More you have potentially a number of organisations that maybe aren't doing such a good job. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to that whole regulation factor, um, unregulated, so they might be tarnishing the whole thing for everyone. Mm. But I think just using the example of Villarreal and what they're doing here in Australia, yes, they've just opened up their third academy in Brisbane. They started in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, then they went on to Sydney. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's their third academy here in Australia. Um, and I think that's a prime example of someone, you know, an outside um, organisation that's coming into Australia and doing really good things. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't heard a bad word of, from anyone um, in terms of the content that they provide, their philosophy, their methodology, the trainings, like everything has just been, you know, five stars, five star first class. And especially it's to the fact where in Melbourne, they actually, and again, you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the only foreign club to be given a license to play in the NPL officially. Mm. They've, they've taken over a club or they amalgamated with the club. Uh, it was called Monash something or other. I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact name, but now it's Monash Villarreal. And and again, they have been given the license from the local body there is Football Victoria, and they they compete in, in the NPL. And, and again, that's not something that's normal here in Australia, but mm. of course, for that to happen, obviously someone has seen the value in, in, in their programs and, and seen the value in what they're doing, and now they're competing you know, under the banner of, of the official federation there. Um, and I think... In particular, what they what they're doing really great is the focus on the youth. Um, I think, in in order to be given a license, I think they had to have a senior team mm-hmm. and, and a women's team as well, I believe. But their main focus is on is on their junior teams, boys mm-hmm. and girls, and and about nurturing that talent and and developing the the youth. Right. So I think their philosophy is fantastic, and and again, uh, they're, they're doing it right. Um, so. So yeah, I think it's a it's an important it's it's a hugely important area in in Australian football because um, you've got so many people playing it. It's it's the number one particip- participant sport for a reason, right? And it's and it's only growing. So I think the more yeah, I think the more quality people you have, I think it's only going to be positive for for Australian football. Um, but yeah, those in saying that, I think people that want to enter this market, they have to have a purpose and have to. It has to be a long-term play, and they have to have the right intentions at heart. If not, I mean, people will sniff you out, and and you'll be gone very quickly. I think. Um, so yeah, 
interesting, the link with Villarreal and an NPL club in Melbourne or Victoria, that's something that feels a little bit more permanent than some of the other partnerships we've seen down the years in Australian football where there's a European side who has a link with a local team. Is that something that perhaps will be encouraged in the future, do you think, or these sorts of temporary or sort of flimsy partnerships we've seen down the years, something that La Liga is starting to steer away from? Look, I can't, I can't comment on mm. on past partnerships from from other clubs and whatnot. They may have been, may or may not have been flimsy. Um, but I think there's there's potential areas for collaboration between between clubs, between foreign clubs and local clubs for sure. And that doesn't have to necessarily be based around youth development. I mean, if it is amazing, we've seen the Villarreal example, and that's working really well. But it could be that that a La Liga club comes in and has a relationship with a with an A League club or with an NPL club, and it's based around administration of a club, of how to you know professionally run a club, um, and it could be it could be around their digital strategy, it could be around um, their sustainability uh, model, you know, a number of things to help um, to help that club be, become more professional as an organisation and. And obviously to help them compete more in the league that way, it could be it could be based around a relationship, um, you know, around player transfers. Who knows? So I think there's a number of of ways that clubs can work together. And again, like it has to be for me, in, in my personal opinion, um, it has to be a long term play. Like you can't just come in and and expect you know to have a great impact from from day one like it has to be and we realize that from like, i've been in this role now for six years and mm. it's a very you know it's day by day you know working it from the ground and we realize that it's a long-term play like you just can't expect results within within the first year or two like you really have to foster relationships um you know build trust as well is, is really important and, mm. and show show organizations that and, and show leagues and show clubs that you care because at the end of the day, I mean, we're not here to, to really to to take over the A League. We want the A League to become and to be the best, most supported league in, in Australia. Um, you know, as I said, maybe maybe not in five years, maybe not in ten, maybe further down the track. We want to become the number two mm. most followed in the country behind the A League. So I think that's really important to to establish. And and yeah, I think uh, and that become. But I guess. You can't just say you're going to do that without doing things on the ground again. Like you have to really show people that you care and, and that you and that you can you know build that relationship moving forward. Glenn, um, just with regards to the uh, to the women's game and a league's relationship with uh, regard to the women's game and any possible activation around the um, women's World Cup coming up later on in the year here in Australia and New Zealand, are there any plans from the league? Uh, with regards to doing any activations in association with that at all, even though it's a FIFA event, but I'm you know, just yeah. uh, curious to see what how what role the Liga might uh, play in um, in uh, around the interest, in, you know, increased uh, interest in the game at that time. Well, I mean, technically, we can't do anything because, mm. as you said, it's a FIFA event, so so we can't really technically be seen as as you know promoting. A FIFA tournament. Um, that being said, 100%. If there's any possibility that we can have to 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 increase awareness or to build engagement for that tournament, I mean, we're up for it. Uh, we're the good thing about La Liga and what I've learned over the, over my time in this role is that we're really a flexible organisation 
and we're willing to at least have a conversation around things um, and, and, you know, look for, look for win-wins with organizations. Mm. So if that means that we're involved in, in a supporting event, that it could be running a coaching clinic for, for girls, it could be mm. bringing some coaches over and, and, you know, running some courses for women coaches. Um, in the past, we've done workshops here in, in Sydney, actually, where we've spoken about women in football. Mm-hmm. So not really based on the sporting side, but helping to promote women and leadership roles within the sporting industry. Yep. So that's when we connected to a number of CEOs. Um, Patricia Garcia from, well, at the time, she was at ABAR. Mm-hmm. And then she was at Elche, I believe. And then uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name, but another woman president in La Liga um, is at Leganes. So we connected to those two women mm-hmm. and connected those two women to local professionals in the local industry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, also, there's a couple of things on the horizon, probably post-World Cup, which I probably can't really talk about because they haven't been confirmed. <laughs> but, um, but we're the beans. I, I had a feeling there was something, but that's why I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it looks pretty exciting from from what I can see. Um, yep. And that's, that's, again, based on that whole grassroots element that I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mention it before, but we've just opened our own high-performance centre on the outskirts of Madrid, and that's a, that's a La Liga centre. Well, actually, it's in conjunction with the NBA. So mm. they run the basketball programs and we run the football programs. Mm-hmm. It's Look it up. It's called the e- ESC centre, um, mm-hmm. La Liga NBA, and that's in Biovicioso de Odon. So it's going to be based around that, and it's going to be based around um, – women's or, or youth girls football and yeah maybe one of our partners and i probably said too much and just <laughs> two things. Um, fair enough so, but, but again like it's looking really exciting and yep. and we're hoping to build upon that legacy and i think it's I, I guess just to put it into context quickly la liga and women's football like yes we're not the league that that organizes and commercializes mm-hmm. the women's mm-hmm. football in spain so i mm-hmm. think it's important to to mention that mm-hmm. um just recently, it became independent from the federation. Mm. It's now called Liga F or Liga, yep. Liga F. And I, I think um, it, it's really looking promising what they've been doing and what they're looking to do in the future. And I must say that largely that is because of the clubs and their drive and their want to to build upon what they've already grown in the past and what they're looking to do in the future. And I think it's in good hands from what I can see, and it's only going to you know, get bigger and bigger. It's um, and of course we. That's kind of like a brother or sister organization to Liga, sure. and essentially for for the first few years at least, they basically have open slather to all knowledge and all know how of La Liga in terms of how to run an organization. And we're really, you know, obviously really keen and interested to see that league succeed as much as they can do. Yeah. And I think it will. I mean, having clubs like Barcelona, Atletico, Atletico mm. Bilbao. Um, Valencia, uh, Levante, clubs that really take it seriously. And now Real Madrid have just entered the, the fray right in the yeah. past two or three years. So, so that's huge and it, it'll get huge. It'll get massive and it'll continue to grow, no doubt. Glenn, we want to thank you for your time and thanks for joining us on the back peg and all the best um, to yourself and, and your role with uh, La Liga here in the APAC region. And uh, we'll hope to get you on again in the very near future. Thank you, guys.